Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Second hour of Clay and Buck starts now, everybody. Thank you for rolling with us. Coming up, we'll be talking to you uh, about the D.C. crime situation and what it tells you about Democrats' ability to make places safer, make the streets safer. Uh, Also, later on, uh, the banning of TikTok via legislation, the... Uh, what is it, Safety or Security Act, or whatever it's called. I'll remember it in a second. Uh, seems to give a lot more power to the federal government than a lot of people uh, would have anticipated. Although I've been, as you all know, I've been suspicious of this ban TikTok. Stand up to the Communist Chinese Party by banning TikTok. I'm like, okay, but is that really what we're doing? Is that really all we're doing? And I, I am always suspicious of these moves where all of a sudden, especially certain certain congressmen on the right, and all the Democrats seem to agree on this. That actually makes me suspicious. We'll get into perhaps why that is in a little bit. Um, but, you know, we're, we're having a, a talk this week, as we all know why, about how to bring uh, violence down and how to deal with the fact that places are feeling more and more like they did back in the 90s when the crime rate was much higher. And the data reflects that if they're not already there, they are certainly now for years, for three or four solid years, heading in that direction. That's really concerning. Now, you have Biden and other Democrats suggesting if only we would add one more gun law. The gun laws in states across the country and federal gun laws, uh, you have to be a an expert. And I actually mean this. You have to be an expert to understand the gun laws in New York City, for example. It is very easy to run afoul of them accidentally, so much so that... The New York City authorities could not even explain to a judge what the extent of different laws around handguns were, whether you could take it out of the city if you had a premise permit or they have no idea. They're just they make it as difficult as possible because making the law abiding jump through endless hoops and go through all kinds of nonsense makes the anti-gun left feel better, as we know. Does it work? Does it bring violence down? No, but it makes Biden voters feel better. Okay, 
Well, if we're really going to look at violence, and we're going to look at gun violence specifically, and you look at major cities across the country and what they're doing, you will notice a trend. And the trend is that there are a lot of people who are not being prosecuted for these crimes, and not only on gun violence, but all the way down, you're seeing the uh, decline in case prosecution is a major issue. I bring you Washington, D.C., and Clay had flagged this for me, and I'd seen some of the stats on this. Just by way of reminder, Philadelphia, I remember I brought this up. I, I think I might have actually talked to Tucker about this on his show maybe about a year ago. In Philadelphia, there's, if you're a felon in possession, there's basically a 50-50 chance that you walk. Felon in possession with a firearm. That's, yeah. If you want to stop people from getting shot, I think somebody who has a gun illegally that is already a convicted felon. So that is a criminal who is choosing to violate the law once again to have a loaded weapon on them. You probably want to really prosecute that person. Half of them. Half of them. No charges. In D.C. right now, Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, as Clay and I discussed a couple of weeks ago, probably the greatest concentration of law enforcement resources in the country. All right? I mean, it's something like a police state. They now have, Clay, federal prosecutors in the district attorney's office, in uh, district's U.S. attorney's office, I should say, chose not to prosecute 67% of those arrested by police officers in cases that would have been tried in D.C. Superior Court. This is getting people really fired up because they can complain about resources, which they do, and they can complain that they don't have the laboratories do the testing, which they do, How are we supposed to think that we're going to keep the streets safe when you have a two out of three shot of walking if you commit a burglary, serious drug? There's a whole risk uh, uh, array of offenses. These are generally nonviolent offenses, but nonviolent offenses need to be prosecuted, too. Yeah, look, here is the breakdown that that of that 67 percent buck, 52 percent of felony arrests are not prosecuted. So if you get arrested for a felony in Washington, D.C., you are more likely than not not going to be prosecuted at all. And these rates have collapsed. They were only choosing to decline in 2016 31% of all crimes. So they have more than doubled. You know, In other words, two out of three times you were still going to get charged under Obama in 16 and they have now continued to collapse. And also you need to think about a couple of things that are also significant about two out of three of the cases not being prosecuted. How many police are making conscious decisions that it's not worth their time to even arrest, right? Because you're out there and the person that you arrested, you know is going to be right back out on the street like I believe, Buck, the guy who just stabbed Rand Paul's uh, uh, Senate staffer is already back out on yes. the street. I believe our producer. No, no he, he, he's, he was out. He was out he was for out one for... day after serving his sentence. And within one day, okay. he stabbed a Rand Paul staffer, almost, almost killed him, Got um, him in broad daylight for no reason. Right back out on the street. And the other thing to think about here is... They are simultaneously, while they are saying, we're not going to prosecute basically two out of every three people who get arrested for crimes in D.C., but they are aggressively still prosecuting anyone connected to January 6th. So the only thing that they seem interested in 
in prosecuting to the fullest extent of the law in Washington, D.C., is January 6th. Everything else, even violent criminals, even felon charges, are being dropped and people are being put right out on the streets. So, so we understand that there are a lot of there's a lot of politics involved here in the decision making about what the criminal justice system in D.C. is doing. Remember that Biden, with an eye to 2024, did not veto, did not veto a congressional yes. override of a D.C. city council um, crime bill that was going to lower, yes. lower the punishments for things like not minor things, carjacking. If you carjack somebody, you deserve to have a serious prison sentence handed down. I'm talking years and years. Okay. Carjacking is a, it's a violent crime. It is a terrifying crime. It sometimes leads straight to homicide in the act. I mean, they were going to lower the prison sentence on that. The problem DC has is this, Clay. DC is 97. Let's talk stats. Let's talk numbers. DC is 97, 98% Democrat. You've lived in DC. I've lived in DC. Yep. We both know it's also, a city that is very racially segregated. There are whole areas of the city that are, uh, that are, that are predominantly white and whole areas of the city that are predominantly non-white. Democrats don't, don't ever actually deal with the realities of the criminal justice system in Washington, D.C. and the reality of this segre, this, this segregation that's effectively, it's de facto, right in our nation's capital. Southeast D.C. is overwhelmingly black, for people who don't know. Northwest D.C. is overwhelmingly white. It's yes. kind of crazy. Yes. And, and this is just the, the situation, and they have all of, you know, all of the, the predominantly the crime and the poverty and everything is in the, uh, in the non-white areas of, of D.C., and Democrats are in charge, and it's the seat of the federal government. And you have a city that is... It doesn't get it's, you know, it's been getting more violent in recent years and their programs to try to make this better do not work. You know, you have a, a de facto situation of, you know, uh, of a structure in DC that doesn't ever get addressed. They don't ever look at the fact that, you know, a city, and it's entirely Democrat. So you have yes. an entirely Democrat city that is very, you know, you could say separated by, by population. And you say to yourself, well, hold on a second. What is being done here to improve things? What is being done here? This is a, this is just like San Francisco. The Democrats are in charge and they have nothing. They have nothing. They never come up with any way to improve the circumstances of this, at least not in recent years, to improve the circumstances of the city on crime, on public schools, a whole range of issues. And Buck, they started, what's so disappointing here is they started to get things turned around because you'll remember. Back in the day, Marion Barry was the mayor of uh, Washington D.C., and before they caught him on the uh, you know smoking crack, I think it was on video or whatever. Remember that back in that scandal back in the day, he had an unbelievable quote where he said, "D.C. doesn't really have a crime problem except for the murders," which was and it, it's been attributed. Uh, I think other people have said similar things. Uh, unfortunately, politicians. But when I went away to college there, it got markedly safer. People moved back. They wanted to be there. And now this soft on crime era is making it much more dangerous to be in D.C. than it was in uh, the early 2000s when so they seemed to be on the on the comeback trail. This is, uh, you know, uh, NPR. This is the headline on NPR article from about a year ago. 
The D.C. area is the country's 15th most segregated metropolitan area. So this, I mean, there, there is some awareness that Washington, D.C. is this city where people are living in very different communities in terms of the crime, the schools, and everything else, and it is entirely in the hands of Democrats. So I just think, you know, it's a, it's a bit like San Francisco in, in that sense, right? There, there are, and, and there are all these, you know, all these white Biden voters and, you know, and, and, and residents who are wealthier across the board who I think don't want to deal with the fact that DC has among the worst performing public school system in the nation. Buck, you've spent time in Georgetown. When I went away to college, I would recognize at GW, we had to walk into Georgetown. The overwhelmingly white, liberal, wealthy Georgetown residents did not want a subway stop because they didn't want poor black kids to be easily able to get to Georgetown. Nobody hardly talk about it. You go visit D.C. and you'll notice that Georgetown is not on the subway map. Why the metro map? Why can you not get to D.C. on the metro map? The rich people of Georgetown did not want public transportation to be able to come to their doorsteps. And you know, um, we're talking again about about the the crime levels in D.C. and how it's become a a major. It's become a national story because I think homicides year over year, as of a month ago, were up something like forty percent, and they're declining. Uh, at least the uh, the you know the U.S. attorney in D.C. that can take cases that you know sometimes things cross over that can be state and or federal. Obviously in D.C. it's not a state, so it gets a little bit it's a little bit of a different uh, different process, a specific process to Washington D.C. Um, but one of the issues that again in a Democrat rule city that they do that they they have a political problem, a political issue when you look at the. Uh, incarcerated population of Washington, D.C., it is 90% black. Yep. 90%. And so they're, they're declining a lot of prosecutions because there's a concern that the left has, that the Democrats have, um, specifically the ones who are in charge in the city, that this is a, at a, at a time, it's, it's, you know, there's starting to be a little bit of a change in the national conversation, but at a time of, um, defund police and all these conversations, how could Washington, D.C. still have such a disparate prison population in a Democrat city? If the, if the system is, is so racist, why is D.C. having such a racist outcome in its, uh, in its prison population and, and in its uh, criminal justice? It's a mess. Sonny Hostin's not going to be happy. It's not going to be happy. China can do whatever they want, totalitarian government, because... We're not perfect in America. Uh, look, it's uh, it's getting hard to find purchases you can save money on, let's be honest. You found out Discount Gas Station. You probably join the big uh, stores out there to try to get the deep discounts in your shopping. Have you thought about how you can save money on your monthly cell phone bill? Well, I'll tell you, Pure Talk's the answer. The average size family saving nearly $1,000 a year on family plans with Pure Talk. Service, same one as you're going to get from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile. Nationwide 5G service, fast and consistent with zero drop calls, run by a U.S. veteran with an emphasis on their customer service team, all based in the U.S., company that honors veterans and our military members and their families. In fact, 
When you become a Pure Talk customer, you have an option to support America's Warrior Partnership to help prevent veteran suicides. Talk, text, and plenty of 5G data, still just 30 bucks a month, no contracts. You keep your number and you keep your phone. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck, and save 50% off your first month. That's dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck. Start saving today. Keeping it real. Keeping it honest. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years. And in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Play Travis Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll through the Wednesday edition of the program. And, uh, Buck, I was looking at this uh this data that just came down from Quinnipiac about who people are oh sorry this is not Quinnipiac this is Gallup this morning um and it's Joe Biden approval rating overall job approval rating for Joe Biden 40% but i thought this was really interesting Joe Biden's job approval for independent voters 35% now, I don't know how exactly that translates as we move closer to 2024. Joe Biden, by the way, in the Gallup poll has a 3% approval rating among Republican voters. So I, I'd love to know who the 3% are. Um, 
still has an 87% approval rating among Democrats, which just goes to show that Democrats don't care at all about what the truth is. But what do you think he's worst on? The economy. 32% approval rating overall of Americans. I I just, the economy polls when it comes to Democrats and Biden specifically, didn't matter in 2022. I find it, you know, I think that... uh, People love to just talk about, everyone likes to complain about the economy. And a lot of people complain about the economy, even when it's objectively quite good. But, you know, we all have our frustrations. Uh, I just think that we, we shouldn't start to think that we're going to get too comfy unless you are in a really grinding recession with double digit unemployment and very obvious, uh, bad things going on for millions and millions of people in the economy. I don't think that that's going to cost Joe Biden that much. And they, and that's just, Maybe I'm just pushing too hard in the other direction after 2022, but Clay, inflation was the worst it was in 40 years. I know he wasn't on the ticket, but, you know, Democrats generally get blamed. The party in power gets blamed if the economy's weak. We saw what happened. So I think, I don't know. I'm also suspicious of polling in general now. I know that sounds maybe conspiratorial, but how many times is polling going to be way off? In in both directions. Yeah. Um, I, I understand that idea. I do think when you're saying that he's got a 32% approval rating on the economy, it's hard to believe that's going to move very much between now and 2024, which to me suggests the number one issue by far is going to be the economy. Now, Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I I think it is, but I was talking last night. I was in D.C., and I was talking to people, and there's a lot of discussion in D.C. that they think the next step on the economy, and I, we've predicted this on this show, is that the Biden administration is going to come out and say 2% inflation was really just kind of a made-up target in the first place. 3 or 4% inflation is not that bad in the great Yeah, they're just going to change the metrics, which is what they yes. always do. Yes. By the way, if you look at how inflation is gauged right now, people will say that even that is weighted to make it look less bad than it actually is. You don't have a pair of my slippers yet? Now is a great time to get some. My pillow is having a closeout sale like no other. Here's how good the deal is. $25 a pair on a product that is regularly priced at $150 and worth every penny. These all-season slippers are made with four layers of design comfort. Durable and sturdy, you can wear them for hours with zero stress on your feet. You can also wear them indoors or out, which is super convenient when you just want to slide them on quickly to walk the dog, grab the mail. Since these slippers are so popular, there's actually a limit to how many you can buy at the $20 per pair price, 10 per order. So go now, get those 10. MyPillow.com. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square. Enter our names as the promo code Clay and Buck or call 800-792-3269. That's 800-792-3269. MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. Clay and Buck, $25 a pair. Check it out crime that is getting worse and worse over the last few years uh, and how it seems that the authorities there have no good ideas for turning things around right now they don't know what to do they say they don't have the resources they say they lack the crime lab uh, access that is necessary so a huge number of people that are committing felonies are just walking not remember usually we'll talk about oh plea deals and are people's are people getting deals that are too lenient and things like that a de- declination to prosecute means you're free. You're you're done. Yes. There's no there's nothing against you, and you get to walk. Um, and here is I meant to play this before, but we got we got deep into the conversation. 
Representative James Comer talking about what is going on in D.C. Play 16. We have a tall task today examining D.C.'s failures. The crime statistics alone are shocking. According to the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, carjackings in the district have increased 105% compared to this time last year. 56% of these carjackings are committed by juveniles. Total property crime is up 28%. Homicides are up 37% since 2019. Just days ago, 14 men were shot in 10 separate incidents within a 27-hour span in Washington, D.C. D.C. clearly has a crime crisis. So so that's going on, Clay. Meanwhile, um, Gail King over at CBS using her platform to talk about how the issue, if we want to stop violence, is guns and they're banning books. And clip 10, play it. We report these stories and we go on to the next thing and people are still suffering all these years later. And I keep thinking about those families. We were talking about your kids' rooms are still there with all of their places in it. And I've come to the point, and it's very difficult to even think that, that we live in a country where apparently we value guns over children. We value guns over the lives of fellow human beings. Guys, they're banning books in schools. Books can't kill your children. They're banning some books in schools, but yet the rules are very different when it comes to guns. They're not a stupidity here, Buck. (laughs) It just, so first of all, if you want, we said this in the first hour, and and, and I do think it's worth bringing up again and again. If you want to ban guns, just say it. Own it as your argument and start to advocate for it in the First Amendment marketplace of ideas. You're going to lose, and you're going to lose in a major way. And that's why they don't ever actually say that, by and large. Although Randy Weingarten, as I said, the idiot teachers union chair, did just come out and say that. So at least she's being honest about that. Now, every time I hear that a book is being banned, I want to pull my hair out. The book is not being banned. (laughs) I just... If you don't take your kid... To an R-rated movie, the R-rated movie is not being banned. Parents are making choices about at what age it is appropriate to expose their kid to certain content. Buck, one of my kids came home recently unable to sleep because he had watched 40 minutes of this movie Smile, which evidently is really terrifying. I haven't seen it. I bet almost every single person listening to us right now remembers seeing at some point a scary movie that you might have been too young to have seen. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Raise raise your hand even if you're driving around in the car right now. If you didn't listen to mom and dad, grandma yep. and grandpa, whoever was in charge, and you snuck your way to watching a movie that was too scary and that you were too young to have watched. I remember still those Friday the 13th, those Nightmare on Elm Street movies, they are incredible like cotton candy for kids, right? You can't not try to watch them, but you know at the same time it's going to be hard to sleep when it's dark in your bedroom after you watch those movies. So most of the time parents spend a lot of their parenting effort to make sure that the age that which you are exposed to content is appropriate. And so this idea, Buck, of 
banning guns. It's not going to go anywhere. You're legitimately going to go start pulling up to people's homes and try and take their guns away. It's crazy talk. And simultaneously, this idea that they're they're trying to tie to books and whether the books are appropriate to be in the library. I'll give you an example. When I started, you're much younger than me. Totally true. different generation. Yeah, it's true. I remember when the internet came to school. For those of you out there who remember when suddenly you might not have had the internet at home. We didn't really have the internet much at my house when I was in high school. and But we had it at, at school. And do you know what one of the first things that teenage boys in my school tried to do when they got on the internet, Buck? I have a feeling I you might probably be able have to guess. Pre- probably have a good guess as to what they were trying to look at. Teenage boys on the internet. We were not allowed. It was a huge scandal in the school you're not allowed to try and look up porn on the internet. We got to put filters on the internet. Nobody came running around saying, "Oh my goodness, they're trying to ban the internet in the school." No, they're banning pornography on school computers. My school, the dean banned Maxim Magazine, which when I was a kid, when I was a, I a, a youth, Maxim Magazine was amazing. If you got caught with a Maxim, detention. Now that wasn't banning maxim from life you weren't going to prison for having a maxim magazine on your person but the school said that's not appropriate for the school day and for our hallways and it was a pretty serious jesuit institution and so that's how it went but so they they keep saying this line about the banning of books it is uh it is a lie it is it is propaganda but i would just note that while you know so they're all focusing on this and they want to talk about um assault rifles they want to talk about semi-automatic and and by the way i know people get so mad we use this term they have managed to codify now in a number of places assault rifle is a thing that exists in like the new york state for example in the new york state criminal code or code of regulating firearms so it does they've created it now it does exist as a term i know that it's to a lot of people a meaningless term because it's a semi-automatic rifle with certain cosmetic characteristics but meanwhile we're you know i just think it's interesting if it's really to stop gun violence, why not focus on where the gun violence is happening and focus on uh, the, putting the police resources in communities where there's too much gun violence? I bring us back to Washington, D.C. I just think this is a fascinating example. The same way San Francisco shows you what you get if you just com- go completely left and and you allow people to camp on the streets and do drugs in open air and don't enforce the laws about a whole range of petty crimes, you just get to decay, disorder, and, and, and everyone who goes there now admits the same thing in Portland, same thing in Seattle. Um, you're having something different in D.C., and right now, uh, you know, similar but different, There there's a, a story up, again, going to NPR, and this is from a year ago, that... The city commissioned a study that there are 500 people. D.C. city proper has maybe six or 700,000 residents. That called 600,000 residents, right? 500 people are responsible for 70% of the gun violence. Yeah. That's crazy. So here's this crazy idea to keep 600,000 D.C. residents safer, including 300,000 black residents of D.C., and all the rest of the residents of D.C. to keep everybody safer. And remember, the black community is disproportionately affected by the gun violence and that most of the victims of the gun violence are black. Arrest the 500 or so perpetrators 
and lock them up. Keep yep. them off the streets. It, 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 this is, by the way, they had a similar statistic in New York, except it was, you know, cause it's a much bigger city. I, I forget, you know, uh, Willie, uh, Bill Barr wrote this, uh, editorial in the Wall Street Journal. He was like, look, there's like a couple thousand people in New York City who do all the bad violence. All of it. Yeah. Basically lock them up and your crime rate goes away forever. And they keep saying, Oh, well, we will. Yeah. You lock them up on, you know, crime number 50. And that's when you catch them. And, Buck, it's a tiny number of people in a tiny number of neighborhoods, by and large. We know not only who the people are, we know where they're likely to commit their crimes. That's one of the legacies of the 1990s war on crime. And we just forgot all the lessons of that era. And now we're right back where we were in the 1980s as we were running up to those all-time highs in the early 90s in violent crime. We know that that's... Status here, the situation is clear, and it really is about, you know, if they want to talk to us about gun violence and saving lives, let's deal with how we can actually save lives, and that is to enforce the law in urban centers across the country in a way that keeps dangerous people off the streets. I also think we haven't even gotten to this, but in the context of even a mass shooting situation, you have to keep people who, there there, there has to be, we talk about mental health, uh, people who are saying and and plotting out possibly very dangerous things it has to be easier to commit people involuntarily which has been a thing that's gone away really for the last 30 or so years but that's a whole other conversation we'll get back to that my friends if you believe in your second amendment rights you should also act on your second amendment responsibility to be careful safe and competent in your shooting everyone i've ever met who's held a firearm carries that belief with them Training is a basic tenet in all of this, and there's a tool I've come to really rely on and appreciate. It's called the Mantis X. It sharpens your skills, particularly if you're not at the range with any regularity. Mantis X is a firearms training system that is a no-ammo, all-electronic way to improve your shooting accuracy. The device attaches to your firearm like a weapon light, which then connects to an app on your smartphone. You can use it at home or at the range for training wherever you can safely train. The Mantis X gives you data-driven, real-time feedback in your technique and guides you through drills and courses. Nearly everyone who uses the Mantis X finds improvement within the first 20 minutes. Start improving your accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Clay and Buck, 24-7. Subscribe today. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. 
Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck, I don't know if you saw this, but I saw it was, uh, thought it was pretty great news. And we have talked about this craziness surrounding the protests and how angry people get anytime NHL players refuse to wear the LGBTQ plus rainbow uniforms or whatever they were. Ivan Provorov, memorably of the Philadelphia Flyers a few months ago, refused to wear the rainbow jersey because he said it violated uh, his own personal beliefs to celebrate that uh, from a religious perspective. And I saw this headline and I thought to myself, my goodness, maybe we are starting to win some battles on sports just going back to sports and not getting lost in the crazy woke universe. The NHL commissioner, Gary Bettman, came out and said, because these LGBTQ pride uniforms and stories are becoming a distraction that he believes they may need to eliminate them going forward. And I saw this quote and I thought to myself, wow, uh, this is the first time we've experienced that. I think it's something we're going to have to evaluate in the offseason. This is one issue where players, for a variety of, variety of reasons, may not feel comfortable wearing the uniform as a form of endorsement. I think it's become more of a distraction now because the substance of what our teams uh, is being pushed to the side for a handful of players making personal decisions, and you have to respect that as well. This is kind of crazy to hear a commissioner say, hey, maybe we'll just play hockey uh, and, and, and not worry about endorsing any particular group of people. That was the America that we all thought we were growing up in with regard to businesses operating as businesses for the most part. You know, yes. it's just, you know, where, where, where you go buy your paper towel or, you know, what bakery you get your cookies from or whatever. You just wanted a good product and good customer service and yep. you went about your day. You know, you didn't need emails about what the latest, uh, you know, stance of the company that's selling you, you know, tissue paper thinks about the uh, LGBTQ plus yes. um, civil rights struggle in America, whatever. Um, but, you know, I think it's worth looking at, as, as people online say, the slippery slope as the undefeated champion, which is so true. You know, if you didn't have this pushback, 
and I think everybody should consider this as well, not just for professional athletes, but for your own, your own children in your own life, in your own corporate existence at your company. How long before it would be okay, everybody? So, you know, we're all going to like put on a, a ribbon or do some show of solidarity with gender affirming surgery for kids. H- how far out do we really think that would be without pushback? The Biden, anyone who would argue, oh, that's crazy. The Biden White House and Joe Biden himself speak out forcefully in favor of this as necessary health care. Yes. That is what, that is their official position. So why wouldn't they say we all need everybody to stand uh, and, you know, mo- you know, moment of solidarity here with gender affirming care for 12 year olds, as in chemical castration and or sex change operations for teenagers or whatever. How far away do you think that is? I don't think it's far. Oh, I mean, when Joe Biden is being interviewed in the White House by a man pretending to be a woman. Uh, that Dylan Mulvaney or whatever that person's name and is. And not well, by the way, in a way no, that really also no. mocks women. You know what I'm yes. saying, too? Like yeah, this, 100%. If, the, the, this, no, this never gets talked about. But, but you know, Dylan Mulvaney and some of these influencers, these, these trans influencers, their version of women is, uh, and put aside the physical, and, and the but I just mean the the, the presentation is always of almost a, a like, you know, a, a, a valley girl, uh, you know, oh, I'm just, it's, you know, just, it, I it's, mean, let, it's, let's be honest what it is. I've never met it's, a woman who's like any of these women they're pretending to be. It's basically blackface, except of women, right? Like, I think there's a strong argument that it's woman face, meaning the way that they preen around and behave is a very exaggerated sense of the way that women behave, right? And they're not women. And so, the outfits that they wear, the way they run around, the way they behave, it's a form of theatrical behavior that is not representative of the average woman. And I don't understand how we have reached this world. And let, let's build on this cuz <laughs> did you see over the did you see over the weekend where CNN had a piece saying that if you're a white person and you share a meme or a gif of a black person that you're guilty of digital blackface? Yes. It did get the worst ratio on Twitter I think I've ever seen of people completely condemning this idiocy. But yes. But but I it did raise, in my opinion, the question of, which I think is so impossible for any left-winger to answer, if pretending to be a different race is unacceptable in the extreme, how is pretending to be a different sex heroic? No one can answer this question. And there is more criticism on CNN of a white person sharing a black person meme on Twitter than there is of a man pretending to be a woman. Isn't how I mean, do we end up in this world? Also you look at look at the rules here. I mean, there's there's now this whole movement to just cast um, you know, not non-white actors in historical pieces Oh, to play yes. all over the place. This is a, yes. this is the constant thing that's going on. Now. I mean, it's Hamilton started this thing, right? Yes. But it's been followed by everyone. Like, I'm going to do Bridgerton, and it's going to be yeah. 18th or 19th century Britain, but we're going to have people who clearly did not live in 18th and 19th century Britain. But so that that is, like, celebrated the height of culture. But yes. if you share a little video of Michael Jordan crying to make a joke about something, you're a bad person? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.